Hello and welcome to another episode of Explore Expert Conversations, brought to you by Anywhere Real Estate. Our show features conversations with leaders across the Anywhere brands and the industry at large, in which we explore high-level advice for brokers, agents, and investors worldwide. I'm Matthew Ferrara, philosopher, speaker, and real estate industry expert. And today I'm excited to present to you another wonderful panel of industry leaders exploring the topic of resilient leadership. We talk about the importance and practice of resilience and share personal stories about their successes and hardships throughout their careers. So get ready to be inspired. This is an episode you do not want to miss. Thanks for listening to Explore Expert Conversations, bringing you insights and resources from across the industry to grow your business. So let me just do a couple of quick introductions and get the conversation started. First, Sue Yannicone, she has more than 20 years of leadership experience in franchise management and real estate brokerage operations. So we're glad to have Sue with us today. Pam Liebman is also a real estate leader that you are probably very familiar with. She joined Corcoran as an agent in 1984 and immediately propelled herself to an A-lister within the New York real estate scene. She was a sales manager within months there and uh, in 1990 became a partner in the company. Also excited to have Pam as part of our conversation here today. And Deborah Trapin, a good friend of mine that I have known for many, many years. She is the chief strategist for Woman Up, which is a network that is focused on identifying, developing, and connecting women leaders in real estate. Deb has spent more than 17 years in the real estate space. Her heart's desire is for every person to define and design the best life possible for themselves and live it out loud on purpose and on their own terms. So also excited to have Deborah with us here today. I'd like to just kick off this conversation. So Sue, I wanted to start with you. You've been a leader at multiple companies and multiple layers of the Realty organization throughout your career. And there's that old adage that came to mind as we were thinking about kicking off this session, which is great leaders rise to the top in a crisis. You know, do you believe in that adage? And in what way do you think you have uh, even pushed yourself during this crisis to do even more as a great leader in our industry? Well, thank you, Matthew. And thank you for being here. And I'm so excited about this. And I do think that you see leadership rise during a crisis. I think there's a couple of reasons. And I'm seeing it, right? I'm seeing it through agents. I'm seeing it across my employee base. I'm seeing it everywhere. And I think part of it really leans into what makes a great leader, right? And, and we were, this panel is talking about that, the resiliency required. I think there's a lot of skills that go beyond the hard skills, right? The technical skills of how to do a job. And it becomes you know, not just the spreadsheets and checking the boxes, but it's creating followership and it's trust. It's, it's exhibiting those attributes that cause people to trust and follow you. And man, during this time, if you don't exhibit that, the ability for somebody to believe what you're doing and to be trusting the decisioning you're making, because often in crisis, such as this, for sure, like there's no playbook, right? Nobody went to school and, and took a class on how to manage through COVID or some pandemic, right? So there's a lot of decisioning that's being done without a lot of information or information that sort of shifting sands under your feet at all times. And so what you see is the ability for individuals to 
operate in that environment. And not everyone can, not everybody is comfortable sort of leaping, right? And saying, I'm going to make the best decision I have with the information I have today. And personally, I think, you know, EQ is a huge component of leadership and it's so valuable right now, more than ever is having empathy being able to make hard decisions uh, that keep the long view of the company at mind as well, right? Because some decisions are really hard and they impact people. But, you know, sometimes you have to make the harder decisions in order to protect the company and, and, and you hope to put people first. And so I, I've been leading with the adage or making my decisioning through this now, probably more so than I ever have with, with three fundamental pillars, which is putting safety and health of my people first, right? Ensuring, and we did that very rapidly and Pam can attest to that in New York for sure. You know, we had to react very quickly and ensure the safety and well-being of our people. Then I've been saying, assume good intent, right? Assume that everything we're doing is through good intent because it's always easy to lean in and think it was malintended or you take it very sort of personally and it's not, you have to assume good intent from your leadership. And then third, protect your business, right? I mean, we're all leaders, whether it be an agent, an independent entrepreneur that's running their own business or a broker running their independent business or an, you know, whatever it is, you've got to protect your business. This is, you know, we have to come out the other side stronger. So that's kind of how I look at it. And you're seeing those people that are comfortable in that environment rise up and, and just embrace the opportunity to shine. And it's, you know, it is, we talked about silver linings with our hair before. I will say it's silver linings in a business coming up. <laughs> right. So I see, obviously, everyone nodding their heads, but I just want to reiterate, I, I really love those three pillars, right? So safety and health, right? Make sure that our peeps are safe and that they, they basically are able to regroup and then get their thinking moving forward. Assume good intent. That's really a powerful shift in our thinking when, you know, when it seems like bad things are happening around us, that ability to sort of throw a switch, if you will, and say, hang on a minute, right? That just because bad things are happening around us doesn't mean that every intent is out to get us. And that's really, I think, gives you power, right? Trans transitions from panic to power, if you will. And then, of course, protect the business. So let me go to Pam for a second, because New York City is obviously a very central focus point of, you know, the health crisis, but also incredible impact, uh, you know, uh, in terms of our business business as well. But you've been through times like this before. You've been through multiple iterations of crises. So, you know, pick up on Sue's thinking and maybe also connect the dots to previous crises that you've successfully navigated in the past. Right. So I very much like what Sue said. I think it's uh, pretty brilliant and I totally agree with it. And I think at Realogy, it came from the top. And I think Ryan Schneider, when he started holding his town halls, he gave everybody a real sense of commitment over communication, which is what people are, were really uh, craving. They wanted to hear what was going on. And the good intent that Sue mentioned came through loud and clear. And I think that filtered down throughout the organization. So in lots and lots of our communications, people believed in our good intent. And of course, the health and safety, you know, comes above all. So yes, being in New York City, we've had our share of fun <laughs> in terms yeah. of these crazy crises. Going back to 1987, you know, the stock market crash, who knew 500 points in one day would be a blip now? Uh, it's amazing how things change in, in, in 30 years. The 9-11, of course, was devastating for New York, the financial crisis of 2008, and this. And this is different because 
this one affects everybody. And it has a fear factor that a lot of the others didn't have that held for so long. Of course, 9-11 had a fear factor, would we be attacked again, you know, what would happen? But it allowed everyone to rally around this common enemy. It, it brought a lot of people together. COVID, the common enemy is an unseen virus. And it's sort of like there's who's safe from it. It really gets everyone. It doesn't matter if you work in finance or if you work in tech. This is something that has infiltrated the entire population of the world. So we have to overcome the fear of human beings for their own safety. And then on a business level, we have to overcome the fear of what happens to our markets. So certainly the New York City market was hit the hardest. I mean, silver linings for us, our Hamptons business literally exploded. You've never seen so many people in, in the Hamptons. And I think for many of the people, if they're working in suburban or resort markets that are close to a city that people wanted to escape to, that that became very positive. And when, now we're starting to see a lot of these hundreds and hundreds of rentals that we did, probably over a thousand in the Hamptons, turn into sales. So I think that's good. And I think it was really important to both hold our agents back and and when I say hold them back, because a lot of them wanted to go out there and break all the rules. So, you know, and they would ask you the same question 10 different times. Can I show an apartment? No. Well, what if it's vacant? No. Well, what if I'm just going in to take pictures? No. And it's sort of like, if mom doesn't give you the right answer, ask dad, right? right. So that's what I mean about holding them back. <laughs> but at the same time, we had to arm them with incredible information and give them the tools they needed to be successful both during this crisis and have all the tools to come out of this crisis. And I think we've done a great job in that. Definitely. You know, Deborah, Pam makes this great point of just how resilient the industry is, right? So yeah. as leaders, we are resilient. We address fear by over-communicating. And I love that term, over-communicating, not just putting out a little bit of information to, to, you know, create this opportunity to protect our business and growth. But across the industry, too, we saw people saying, what can I do? How can I help? How do I go forward? Yes, how can I perhaps still serve my clients by getting in there and taking some photos? Photos, getting you there and doing a showing. But broadly speaking, when everything started here, the one thing about this industry, I think we would all agree and we all love about this industry is that we immediately strengthened our connections. We immediately connected more and said, how are we going to lead strongly through this? And then part of resiliency is being stronger after it as well. So, you know, how does that tie into not only the mission for Woman Up, but, you know, just your extensive experience working with leaders throughout the industry? Are you seeing that with the people you're talking to around the world as well? Well, I, I think the interesting thing with our industry is that we have run towards disruption for the last decade. I mean, every conference we go to, it's like, who are the disruptors? And we've been in training for a disruption for a very long time. And we have become more adaptable, I think, than a lot of industries, which is why Pam and Sue are getting all of the questions. Well, what about this? Well, what about this? Hey, hey, hey. Because that's how we've been training ourselves to think is there's got to be a way technology will let us, right? Or maybe something old school will let us. We've, we've created this huge bridge between you know, how to do things manually and how to do them incredibly virtually. So I think we're we're seeing that in all levels of our leaders, from the servant leaders, the volunteer leaders in associations, all the way up to the C-suite. And it's created this environment, this tapestry of strength that other industries are looking 
to real estate and saying, well, what are they doing over there? How are they continuing to do their business when it's supposed to be, you know, an eye to eye business? And it's a very proud time, I believe, to be in real estate. And I believe that we can really use that going forward to tell the story of what it is that this industry does for the country. I want to pick up on this thread that Deborah said, which is, you know, we're we're been in training for disruption. It's what we do, right? Change is real estate's middle name. There's nobody as a leader who has ever had a deal go exactly as planned, who has ever had a project implemented exactly as planned. We overcome, we adapt, we move things out of the way. But I do want to spend a moment just asking you as a group, sort of going forward, the change that we're adapting to is external right now. We're adapting to changes in the economy, to technology, to sales practices, to whatever. But let's also talk about changes as leaders. So first of all, let me just take it back to Sue. How do you think leadership is learning and evolving, changing as a result of this crisis? And also, looking back on your career, were there certain decisions or moments that this crisis has recalled to your mind in which a change occurred that either propelled you forward or possibly even held you back in some way? You know, maybe there's a way to weave that into your thoughts on this. Sure. I think everything you do as a leader and everything prepares you for moments like this, right? I think you you lean on everything you've learned. You're figuring it out. I think you lean on each other more. I think you, you call on a vaster group of individuals to look around and say, what are you doing? How are you getting through this? I think as a leader, what I've been so impressed with and, and learning from and changing is really, and Deborah touched on it a little bit, the adaptability of our individuals and our, our teams, both our employees and our agents. And we have been in an industry that's been constantly talking about disruption, but I would say leveraging some of the tools and technology that we've been pushing, if you will, for a long time to drive greater efficiency, suddenly we're in it, right? And, and we're using it. And what I've been amazed with and so impressed by and will take away for sure is the collaboration I'm seeing, right? Within, within the industry, things like this, right? It, it is about lifting each other up for the greater good of our industry. And I think that's an important learning and a, and a reminder to us. You know, this industry is born from our communities and from helping people. And I feel like we kind of got back to our roots a little bit through this. So I don't know how much, I, I guess it's not like a real textbook leadership you know, thing to take away, but I think it is important. We get very caught up in a lot of stuff and this sort of, I call it the great pause, right? Something forced us for a minute to press pause. And then we very rapidly said, okay, I'm going to be agile. I'm going to shift. How am I going to get this done? And I've seen a tremendous willingness for agents and brokerages and leaders to help each other out through this and to lift each other up. And, and that to me is amazing. And I think it's an amazing leadership lesson to take, which is use your platform, use the opportunity you have to help others. And it's not always going to come back to you immediately, but it will eventually come back to you. And I think I've been so proud of that. And we do lose sight of that. We lose sight of that as we're pushing and pushing and pushing and we're going and we're on plane, you know? And so I think it's, 
a great reminder for our industry at large, why we do what we do, and it's to help our communities and help people. So I think that's been wonderful. And, you know, I think looking back at at one moment, I don't know, like I said, I think it's all cumulative, you know, whether you've done a, a massive acquisition or closing a business or whatever, you recall what people needed during that time, right? And, and Pam and mentioned before some of the, the, the larger macro crises that have hit the industry, but I've been through a lot of ownership transfers, closing down brands, launching brands, you know, and you pull on every little thing that you, you saw help people get through that communication, transparency, directness, whether it's good or bad. And, and really that belief I have that, you know, you got to own your decision. So get as much information as you can and go with it, but let your team know why. And I think that has helped fuel the way I sort of leaned into this and, and am trying, trying hopefully to, to lead my teams through it. I agree with a lot of what Sue had to say there. I'm just going to try and narrow it down to a little bit of the nitty gritty. Okay. So what you learn from these things is, you know, there's so much, but let's be very specific here. So your teams, I think every one of us learned that they really stepped up and people can really show their stuff during this time. And for those people that didn't step up, it exposes their weakness immediately. And it is an opportunity to reevaluate who you have on your team and to make decisions of who should stay and who shouldn't. And you shouldn't be afraid to make decisions. And I think Sue touched on that. But sometimes having led through crises before and understanding sometimes what it looks like on the other side, and I run a very collaborative team, but every now and then I have to say, I'm sorry, guys, this is what we're going to do. I listen to what everyone has to say in most decisions. You know, everybody at my company has a voice, but sometimes I'll just make my voice a little bit louder. People who work with me know that, but it's just from experience and understanding I'm going to be the one that makes the hard decision and I will take responsibility for it. I also think that we have seen where we may be don't need some people that we've had around for a long time. And it's a tough decision to maybe say, we don't need those positions anymore. But this is the time that, that you do that. And the other thing you have to do is not be able be afraid to spend through a crisis so you come out stronger. And after 9-11, I had read this study and my chief marketing officer and I really said, we want to be the strongest on the other side of this. And we're not going to come out the strongest by putting our heads in the sand and waiting this for this to end. So we put in place the same way we're doing now what this looks like on the other side. Our exit strategy from this is going to be tremendous. And what we've done during this to keep people engaged, I think, has been at the top of the industry. We've had over now 15,000 people visits to our education. We're doing three to five classes a week. And whether it's a class on wellness and help you stay sane while you're working from home, or if it's what is the average renegotiation in various price ranges. And we have done a great job at getting people to share information. And I'm very proud of how much our agents have also stepped up and participated on panels. And it shows the true culture of a company. And if you're a company that was just very acquisitive and just pieced together and bought everybody up, when a time like this comes, what is your culture? Who are you? What are you really about? And you could see the lack of reaction from some companies versus others. And I'm very proud to be part of Realogy during this because I think Realogy has really shined throughout these moments. You know, and and I think in a way you've anticipated one of the questions, which is terrific. What you're saying is that 
this is going to take hard work plus something else. Plus, it's going to take vision. Plus, it's going to take bold action. Plus, it's going to take an opportunity or, or the, the willingness to take a risk at a time when others might be frozen to create growth and to Yeah, and uh, for an, ex an example on that, we just spent a ton of money to up our SEO. Everything's online. We saw a spike so much in even in the first weeks. And some of that was just people, they were bored. They like to look at nice houses or apartments. But we felt that SEO was a really important opportunity now for us to be investing some funds in, not just sitting back saying, oh, we'll wait till the business picks up and then we'll do it. Then it will be too late. Right. Also in getting our properties ready to list when they come on when they come on, what have we done? We changed the whole way we do video on our site. We we completely reimagined it, redid it behind the scenes during this period. Our education programs will never be the same. The way mm -hmm. we changed and put everything online for education was extraordinary. There's no, and we have this agent studio where people come in, interact with others for classes and all of this. I mean, everything we've done in the past few years is collaboration, collaboration, get people in the office. Everyone wants to uh, collaborate, but now we see there's a lot that can be accomplished. So let me bring Deborah in here for a second. Do you feel that there might be a little winnowing of the hobbyists in this business, both in practitioner and leadership? You know, some leaders might find that, you know, they that didn't prepare as a leader. They didn't necessarily, they don't have the, the training, the preparation and the backing that they need. But also, you know, amongst agents, do you think that this will maybe change the landscape from so many people to a smarter, more agile, I love that term, agile, especially brokers who are going to start asking questions like, who am I surrounded with? Who's on my team, right? Who are the people around me in my organization? Are they focused? Are they supportive? Are they, are we all rowing in you know, the same direction? Yes, we're all entrepreneurs, but we also have a common mission and we have a common set of shared values and goals. Are you seeing maybe some of that entering into the conversation and the thinking of organizations that you're talking to? Well, you know, inside the Woman Up community, we've been building our virtual community since the beginning, right? right. Immediately after our very first event, we created a Facebook group and it is vibrant and, and filled with these vivacious women and very bold men who all come together from very different I mean, we have people from Australia and Spain and Canada and the States, and they all come together and they have been doing that to collectively work out those issues in their own brokerage individually, but together, right? And mm -hmm. so they come in and they talk about their best practices or maybe what, what they're dealing with from an agent to broker expectation, right? Because that's the last three years, we've been pretty much been dealing with that. Like, what are you offering? What are you giving your agents right now? It's how are you bringing them together? And so that part of what we're seeing now was ingrained in this community from the very beginning. We've actually taken it to that next step and said, all right, so we know we all want to do this. So let's start highlighting people who are ready to take the mic, right? right? Because one of the initiatives inside the woman up community is to get women comfortable telling their story in front of others, getting women comfortable speaking up and saying, I am really good at things because for women, ego tends to show up differently in leadership. 
right? Where they want to be the supportive, not necessarily sidekick, but they want to be seen as a supporter of their people as opposed to the person in power. And so this gives them an opportunity to shine like no other time because people are slowing down. They are looking for more content. They are looking for more wisdom. It's been a joy to see it pop up again agnostically and people aren't coming in and recruiting in this environment. They're not even talking about the brokerages they're part of. On the flip side of that though, I do see a lot of the independent brokerages starting to look for what's next. Some of them are kind of collectively working with one another. Others are looking at do I want to be acquired? Do I want to raise my hand? We had Terry King with Cobalt Banker come in and talk at Woman Up last year. I, I mean, I'm guessing that woman's phone is on fire and her hair is on fire right now because this is like, this is her jam, right? It's who isn't succeeding. And those kind of stories, that, that type of inspiration Now there are others inside the community who are thinking, where is my opportunity? Do I merge? Do I acquire? Where do I go? And that is, that's such a powerful time in this industry. And in particular for women, my banner is supporting women. And we've seen it inside real estate. We've seen it in world leadership, right? We have seen these countries that are led by amazing, powerful women who are very compassionate and, and trust in the collective common sense. There's a lot of power there. And a lot of the traditional soft skills that Sue was talking about before are moving into pole position. We're realizing that in this time, we do need emotional intelligence more than we need the spreadsheet. We do right. need the spreadsheet, but power is enhanced by the complementary nature of two genders at the table and Perfect. diversity across the board. And we have the opportunity to do that more in situations like this. So I like this theme, right? This theme of sort of reordering the priorities, reordering the conversation, collaboration as a key component, as you say, not just the spreadsheet, not just the laundry list of stuff, but the right place for the right people in the right way with those values. And of course, that parallels how behaviors are changing, how we're using technology differently, how we're collaborating with co-brokes, how we are looking at how future practices will be. It'll be, or let me just ask this rather than stating it, how do you all feel in terms of, do you feel that there's a bit of a renaissance that's starting here where maybe the priorities that we used to have, which were driven by a little bit of rankism, like rankingism and a little bit of overemphasis on victory and defeat might be shifting towards collaboration and effectiveness, the right place, the right voice, the right leadership as critical as the right platform, the right technology and the right compensation. Anybody want to take a stab at that one? I love what that idea is. And I think there will be some lasting effects of that, but I think the nature of the beast, unfortunately, will rear its head quickly on some of the more competitive stuff. It's not going to go away, but 
the collaboration has been amazing. And Sue alluded to it before, and I've said it in many of these panels that I've given, that my peers in the industry, for the most part, have been amazing. We've all turned to each other. We've worked together to decide when we go back to work. We all want to have the same rules going back to work. Mm -hmm. So we're all working really well together. But I think, you know, this industry in, in a lot of ways is run by the agents. I mean, you could say we run the firms, but a lot of what you see when you see the industry is the behavior of the agents. And I think they're hungrier than ever. I think a lot of, you know, I, I, I don't want to be a Pollyanna because I'm not. A lot of them have lost a lot of income during this period and sure. they're going to do whatever it takes to get it back. So I think if we were to sit back here and say, oh, this is going to create a kinder, nicer, gentler real estate industry for a little bit. And for some people it will linger, but I think a lot of people will get right back in there and put those gloves on again. And I have seen recruiting throughout this. I've had my agents being called left and right by certain mm -hmm. firms who, in a disgusting way, in my opinion, try and use the crisis to their, to their benefit. Very few, but there are some. And there's nothing wrong with recruiting now. We've done some recruiting now, too. But I think the way you recruit says a lot about who you are as, as a company. Totally agree with Pam. I think that, look, at the end of the day, we're competitive by nature. I think successful real estate agents, they, they love the deal and winning the deal. And I think as leaders, um, super competitive. So I think that I agree with the, what we're doing now, because I think agreeing to sort of some rules of engagement, if you will, during this time and helping each other out, because nobody benefits when, you, you, like to Pam said, you know, you're holding your agents back and saying, don't go show that house right now. No, like it's, you can't, right? So <laughs> there are some, some real realities on just kind of common sense humanity that occur right now. And, and I hope we carry forward some of it, right? I really do. And, and I think we all have those conversations, like what's going to continue? You know, I'm like, well, I'd love to be home for dinner every night. Like I am now. Mm. So I think that there's some of that, but I do think from the technology component, so it will come back, right? They're constantly asking. I think the bold actions that Pam talked about, that people are taking now, that true leaders and those of you running brokerages that are on this phone should be thinking about. There is nothing wrong with simultaneously planning how you rule the recovery coming out of this and how your business thrives while simultaneously taking care of people today. I, that's just reality. That's leadership, right? You can't you can't be Pollyanna about it all, but you can balance both. And I think that's a little bit of what Deborah was talking about is this idea of you can still thrive and win and have an amazing business, be amazingly successful without going below, right? And I think that's part of it and how we see that interspersed. And I think there's a little bit, Gorman has referred to it as proximity bias. New York, New Jersey, some of these markets are much more dramatically impacted than others. And so I think how we come out of this and how our business and our agent engagement shifts is somewhat guided by how close we are to sort of the, the epicenters and how long we last in that, right? Behavior change driven by that. I've been saying for a long time that technology will not replace an agent, but the agent that embraces technology will replace the agent that doesn't. And I think more than ever, that holds true today and tomorrow for both agents and brokerages, right? I mean, and so I think this is the time to see where do I need to be? How can I truly support the business of the future? You know, do I, can I do it on my own? Do I, do I lean into a partnership with, you know, a company that has greater scale and capacity, you know, what, be really honest. Cause now's the time, take that bold action, right. One way or the other to, to rule coming out of it. I think 
I think that that's the way I look at it right now. So. So let's drive this down to a day-to-day level. What are some of the things as leaders you're doing to help your people stay very focused on the here and now and their here and now, right? So as you as you point out, Sue, proximity to certain degrees of the crisis drive people's awareness. There are some best practices for everybody everywhere in terms of what they need to do now not only to stay viable, but to make those investments, but to make those growth decisions going forward. And then related to that, are there permanent technology benchmarks now that people who don't practice at that level, who don't have skills in virtual presentations, virtual tours, who won't get comfortable with video? If getting comfortable with video is something that's now a new minimum standard of performance, how are those two things coming together with the with the recommendations you're making for your people for today? So I think you're definitely going to see some of the technology come forward. I think if you're not leveraging this time to enhance your skill set related to some version of video, virtual tours, doing Facebook Live open houses, I think through as an agent and as a consumer, right? I think the consumer is going to drive a tremendous amount of the shift and what sticks, right? What has the consumer learned through this? Not just in how we show a, ha- how we show a house, how we list a house, how do we close on a transaction, right? We have created some opportunities to streamline and become more efficient that we've been wanting for a really long time. It just makes everyone more efficient and effective. And I think, you know, I've seen teams restructuring to create that opportunity coming out of it. Again, strong business decisions. So virtual learning. I mean, we at, we moved all of our learning online. We hit over 100,000 people. And I can't remember how many weeks without anybody getting on a plane. And the engagement is stronger. Virtual meetings for the offices. I think we haven't talked a lot about the consumer on this, but I think it is something we have to be very aware of because they're going to drive a lot of that. So Deborah, I see you nodding your head and I know you love technology. I mean, I've known <laughs> you for years around this. And and this concept of engagement and driven by the consumer, I mean, the consumer is working from home. The consumer is doing Zooms yeah. with their family. They're having dinner dates this way. So the consumer, as Sue says, often leads the way with some behavioral change for us as well. Talk about that with respect to just engagement in general between the industry and the consumer and the industry and itself. You bet. Well, so I'm in the Seattle area and we're in a tech center here in Seattle. I mean, we've got Zillow and Redfin and and a whole slew of RE tech in this space as well. And so we've been kind of guinea pigging a lot of that along the way for the industry here. And the agents were ready. I mean, they've been doing deals on iPads and virtually for the last decade around here. So the consumer was really ready for it here and it started to bleed over into the other industries. I think in the woman up space and what we're seeing is in, we're connecting a lot of agents and brokers who are in maybe the the middle of the country who didn't have to step into involving technology into their business with those who are on the coasts. So our mentoring program, our whether it's a reason or a season for these for these brokers, that's a huge thing that we're seeing. A big shift is saying, I how do I set up my brokerage with some technology? What is the first I should do? What's the second thing I should do? What's the third thing? And so I think that the questions aren't, should I, it's what first right? and then what second and who, and they're not afraid to ask the questions. They're not afraid to admit the unknown 
And I think that's such a powerful thing. I loved where Sue was saying the consumer does drive that. I think for the brokerage, we've always had this weird, how do we label our agents? Are they our partners? Are they our consumers? You know, where do they fall in all of that? I think they're a little of both, right? The agents are going to start telling the, the leadership in the brokerage, these things can go away. Right. You know, maybe it is the the in-person right. training and it's one big thing a year. I'm excited to see what that looks like on the other side of this, the event. It shows the amazing resilience of this business. It shows the amazing Indeed. communication and connectivity of our business. And as you've all mentioned multiple times, in tough times, we all step up, pull together, get ourselves through it, and then continue to collaboratively compete as we go forward which pushes us all to be better, not only as a result of a crisis, but to be better just in our day-to-day practice, in good times, as they say, as in bad times. Pam, let me ask you a quick question. What's the health look like there? Are sellers selling, buyers buying, deals staying together and staying together well, you know, for both parties and in a mutually beneficial level of, of deal? So I'll try and narrow down the answer to that. Real estate is inherently local. So each yes. local market is to react differently. So to me, it's a very segmented market. It depends on your location and it depends on your price range. So let's just say in New York briefly, because not everyone here cares about New York, we saw a lot of deals happening on the low end and lots and lots of rental deals happening during this crisis. And what helps you in a market like this is being able not just to use technology, which is so important as a tool, but to be able to talk to people. This is really important. So agents that survive in markets, especially where you're selling, let's say, new condos and you literally just walk them over there and turn them over to the developer's brokerage team and you never see them again until they come to pick up their check. These kind of agents won't survive. And what companies can do now is arm them with ways of speaking to sellers who may now have a property that's worth several dollars less than it was worth just a month or two ago. You may have people who are just depressed because they live in a small place without outdoor space or you know in the wrong location and they're not happy and maybe they don't have as much money as they you know they thought they did to move. So you have to really be empathetic of words you used earlier and you have to understand what makes these people connect with you? We always have a saying at Corcoran, it's live who you are. And that's our job to make people help them to live who you are during this. And we launched a new CRM during this period. Like who launches a new CRM in the middle of COVID? But that's what we did. We like Good to go against, against the grain yes. and we'll teach people how to use it. Some things that will change forever. Our sales meetings will forever now be live and on Zoom. Our education will be on Teams or whatever platform you're using, I think a lot of that will happen and probably a lot more town halls because the communication just makes you feel closer. Another thing that really made people feel closer is our Corcoran Cares. We ran big initiatives. We raised so much money right off the bat. We had people who were going to homeless shelters, feeding people. We had people go deliver. We bought so many masks for hospitals. We bought a ventilator for the Southampton Hospital. We have given money to just various causes that are brought to us by the agents. And it's really made people feel connected. But this uh, one, of the, one of the most specific items that we all faced is renegotiation and negotiation. And we were calling it the COVID discount. Everybody wants a COVID discount. What is it? And we literally segmented the market in our areas to show 
how many renegotiations took place, whether they were successful or unsuccessful, and what the negotiability factor was, you know, under 500, under a million, you know, and over 10 million, and where we hopefully had enough data to do do it, but it was very helpful to the agents, and they appreciate that. And the other thing we did is we launched an incredible newsletter that highlighted things to do during this period, also highlighted people, whether it was look at this book, or look at, here's a great book list, or here's a great workout class, or look what our agent did, and people have just loved it. And we put it in a format that agents could easily take, cut and paste the pieces that they want, create. They had their own templates they could use and sent it out, and they love it. The, the kudos on that have been wonderful. So once again, right, using data, over-communicating, giving people some direction, firing them up, and then saying, you know, go do what you and we are great at doing there. You had launched a, an initiative called What Moves Her. Mm-hmm. Just tell us a little bit about that effort, you know, where it came from and maybe why it's more important than ever, given where we are today. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, what Moves Her was is a series that I launched. I've been very involved with Deborah and the Woman Up movement as well. And I wanted to bring something closer to home that 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 we supported and we've we've partnered together in some of it. But it really is focused on helping women in the industry learn from each other's skills and take advantage of opportunities to further themselves within the, in the business. Really focused on leadership development. And I pull in resources, not just from in the industry. So I've also, I, I bring in speakers that are outside of the industry, really just focused on how to develop your skills. We did our first live event in Chicago and it was amazing. And then COVID hit. And so now <laughs> I've taken my own advice and we're now virtual. And then providing those skills and opportunities to women specifically. And it's open to everybody in the industry. We started that way last year when we did it. I wanted this to be an event that really was business-minded, weaving in some of the emotional aspects and the EQ and all of that, but really learning from powerful women in this industry across the segments. And the awesome thing for me about right now is I'm able to tap into women all over the country, right? And I can talk more More available, more connected. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a great opportunity to um, be super, anybody who knows me knows I'm super direct and I'm pretty transparent. And I think we have to be willing to have really real conversations about what it takes to be a leader, female or male or anything in this industry. And so that's what it's focused on. And I'm, I'm, as you can tell, super passionate about it. Definitely. I'm going to ask each of our guests for like just a little bit of direction, because one of the amazing opportunities we have when we get to hang out with leaders is to say, where should we be focusing our thoughts and actions? You've been through circumstances like this before. We are listening to you because of your wisdom and experience. So just give us a push in a direction you think will help us be ahead of not only the recovery, right, but the next opportunity for growth. Deborah, kick us off with what should we be just quickly thinking about uh, in order to move ahead, not return to normal, but return to better, move to better. I love that. You know, we've talked about recruiting a couple of times and, you know, kind of out with some of the people who aren't participating at where we want them to and and really elevating the others. So I'd say as you're getting ready to shift around your teams, add, subtract, look around the table and focus on diversity. Are there women in an industry where 67% of this industry is female? Make sure you have women represented at your leadership tables and at your board tables. Sure. Let's work on that. If you don't ask the women in your organization, we know 
for a fact that women wait to be asked. We've been taught that way. At least women in 40 and up have been taught, wait for the, to be asked for the date, wait to be asked to go to the prom, wait to be asked to get married. We've been told when you're worthy, you'll be asked. So let's help them along and get them at those tables. And then last on that is look at your job descriptions. What words are you using? Weave in words that show these aspects of resilience that we've talked about, compassion, emotional intelligence, ask better questions in your job descriptions so that you are only requiring what is required and shifting things that aren't over to desired. You will have more diversity. More women will apply for those jobs. Great advice, Deborah. Thank you. Sue. I love that. I took a note. I took both of you. Pam, you're getting a call later for me on something. (laughs) I'm going to review some job descriptions. I think, you know, lead forward. Take a look at who you are today. Take some time to think about where you want to be tomorrow and be very honest about what it's going to take to be there. I, I couldn't be more of a supporter of a diverse voice around the table. I think if you're not running an organization that is focused on diversity and different voices in the room, you're missing it. You really are. We serve diverse populations, so I agree with Deborah. But I think take a hard, real look at where you are today. How prepared were you heading into this, right? What do you need to do differently heading out of this? Don't be afraid to do that and to make the decisions to invest where you need to, be a little fearless, take some risks. And and I love Pam's statement, you know, bold action. I think if you want to lead forward, don't go back to work, go forward. And I, I think that that takes looking in the mirror, looking at the spreadsheet, being very intentional about what you're going to change, what you're, you know, stop, start, continue kind of idea. It just reset right now. Good. Pam, we got just about a minute, but take us out. You, you started us off with bold, bold risk and bold initiative. Maybe <laughs> so that's, I'll, maybe I'll that's still really, the theme. I'll say it quickly. Many of you have gathered a lot of goodwill within your communities during this. Don't squander that away. Keep that goodwill, whatever brought it to you, make sure you continue on that path evaluate your teams. All these people who have killed themselves, I say, I can't wait to get back to work so I can relax. I mean, but who cares about me? It's all about the people that are working with me and how hard they've worked and really acknowledge them and where you had weakness, make changes. And in terms of change, that's the thing that you really have to pay attention to as well. For those people who have said during this, well, no, we always did it this way, or no, we can't do it because this is the way it was. Get rid of them. Okay, because you have to have people that are open minded and make sure that the agents know, most of all, how much you care about them and what you're prepared to do for them going forward to make sure they achieve their highest level of success. Thank you all so much, my friends, for sharing your insight, your wisdom, your experience, motivating us, right? Energizing us to uh, to lead and be resilient leaders through all of this. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. I hope the conversation brought you some inspiration and ideas from these first-hand resilient leaders. As always, if you enjoy our show, please tell others to subscribe and take a moment to rate the program. And we always love it if you'll leave a review. I'm Matthew Ferrara, and this has been Explore Expert Conversations from Anywhere Real Estate, bringing you insights and resources from across the industry to grow your business. Please join us again next time.